1,000 better stories. Welcome to 1,000 Better Stories, the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine a better and fairer future beyond the new normal and transform what we think is possible. Hello, it's Kashka here, one of the SCAN story weavers. I've got great news for you. Our storytelling collective is growing. So, in this episode, we have another double treat from a couple of our new collective members. Today's storytellers, Mary Troop and Hazel Dowin Clemens, share personal reflections on how they were inspired to act on climate with their local communities and on the often random, unplanned, messy and sometimes personally exhausting nature of what we all are trying to do. They both make a powerful case for working together with others so that we can spread our burdens and so that we can keep ourselves motivated and sane in making a real difference. We start with Mary's brief piece, which she created during one of our Stories for Change workshops on finding and telling your climate action story. I'll let her take it from here and introduce herself. I'm Mary Troop. I'm a community musician, a climate activist and storyteller. My background is as a musician, a community musician. I worked at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland for 22 years, teaching community music to performance students and making projects with local community groups and making performances for hospitals, care homes, and people in end of life care. And as part of that, we made projects on global citizenship issues. And since I retired, I've been getting more involved in thinking about climate action and climate justice, partly through my membership of Glasgow Quaker Meeting, and partly more recently through my training as a climate reality leader, which I did very recently, just before COP26 began in Glasgow. And this story that I'm going to tell is a story that I made about discovering how, although individually we might feel very insignificant and small, but together in community, we can really make a difference. Making a difference. When did it all start? We all knew each other, more or less, but little did we know the adventure that lay in store for us. It was early summer 2021 when it began. Early that summer in Glasgow, there was an air of expectancy. COP26, the Conference of the Parties, was being held here in November the chance to reach urgent agreements, to work together, to achieve lasting global commitment to tackle the climate emergency. Would it, could it make the difference we so desperately needed? 
Hopes and doubts abounded. Was it already too late? Would significant agreement be reached? Who would emerge as the real change makers? In the COVID-stricken world, we could not meet in person. We zoomed in for discussion groups with varying degrees of courage. What were our hopes for COP26? What could we do to promote climate justice? Individually, we felt a sense of helplessness, insignificance, thinking, how can I possibly make a difference? I want to act, but how? What can be done? Then a chance encounter fueled my determination to search for a way. Crossing with my family to visit a beloved tiny Hebridean island later that summer, all of a sudden our boat was surrounded by a pod of dolphins leaping and diving exuberantly in the sparkling sea. It was a breathtaking moment of sheer joy and I felt hope and courage beating in my heart. Hope that together in our community, we could be strong. Together, we could find the courage and the energy to find a way, a way to make a difference to protect our planet, its environment, its people, and all its beautiful creatures. These words began to form in my mind. What can we do? How can we act? We want to make a difference. Though each is small, together we're strong. Together we'll make a difference. Together we'll make a difference. As a community preparing for COP26, we listened to stories together and prepared a welcoming space in the centre of our city, our dear green place, where we could host events, offer hospitality to visitors from across the world, reflect quietly on shared experience and organise a cafe. The space, which had lain silent and dark since the pandemic swept in, all of a sudden was filled with light and energy and tales of courage and active witness in those autumnal November days. Folk exchanged ideas of what could be. Let's seize this sense of life, sustain it, reach out in friendship, work together for the sake of the Commonweal. Perhaps it was easy to sustain that energy and sense of hope in those all too short days of the COP. But what about the long term? How could we continue to reach out, continue to make a difference? One by one, we began to share hopes and a will for action, risk-taking, to live adventurously. Those of us who had been there loved the buzz of the cafe, the focus it gave, a time for reflection, the warmth, the camaraderie, 
the opportunity to share ideas and to make plans for action. And so the idea to establish a climate cafe was born. As we recognized our many gifts and talents, we knew that we could do that. I can bake, you can sew, I can tell a story, make songs, write letters and help things grow. Together we'll make a difference. Together we'll make a difference. Now, together, as we plan for our climate cafe, we have strength in our sense of purpose and community, ready to gather others to our cause, emboldened by the radical spirit that has fired change makers for centuries. We are ready to listen, to answer to those who may doubt us, to take action and to reflect quietly, to live adventurously, to make a difference. We know what we'll do and we can act. We want to make a difference. Though each may be small, together we're strong. Together we'll make a difference. Together we'll make a difference. You'll be glad to know that Mary's Climate Cafes has just had their first meeting the other month. Contact details for them are in the show notes. She's actually thinking of getting into podcasting herself to report on her future progress, uh, so keep listening for updates. Next, we travel all the way from Glasgow in the west to Edinburgh's Portobello in the east to hear from Hazel, one of the eight recipients of our Storyteller Collective Mini Grants. Her Porty Fridge mini documentary recounts the roller coaster journey involved in setting up a local community fridge. Over to you, Hazel. Right, let's go and see if we can get some people to come in. Hello, do you know about the community fridge? Okay, cool. <laughs> Do you know about the community fridge? Sorry? Do you know about the community fridge? We're just oh, handing out... Oh, thank you. No, no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't know. So we're only on till 12, so okay. do come back before 12. Okay. We've got chocolate hot cross buns, guys. This is the sound of me trying to give away free food at the Portobello community fridge. Do you want some of these hot cross buns? Oh, no, not, not a fan. Yeah. No, They're not good for you. Next to these are good though. Choice. Do you want know, a turnip? Fine with that, thank you very much. Tomatoes? No, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I might take red cabbage if that's alright. Help yourself to red cabbage. We are needing to give those away. And also tomatoes. Well, cherry tomatoes look. We've got quite a lot of those. It's food that the supermarket no longer wants to sell but which is perfectly edible. And it comes with conversations like this. Salsa? Salsa? You could make some salsa out of all these plum tomatoes. Yeah. Roast them and make some roast tomatoes. Oh, that'd be delicious. Roast them with some garlic and then put them with pasta, pen pasta. You've got all the recipes. I quite like this because it makes you be a bit more creative. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, yeah. We've got three minutes left, so I think, yeah, go for it. And also conversations like these. I'm reading a Braiding Sweetgrass. It's such a beautiful book, and it's about Native American culture of just taking what you need and giving back. And it's just obviously, obviously, that's what to do. So yeah. But culturally, we've shifted so far. Yeah, we have, haven't we? That we can have whatever we want whenever we want it. So we buy it, and then we realise we don't want it. Yeah. We don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Hi, I'm Hazel. And I'd like to take you with me on my journey of setting up a community fridge in Portobello. A community fridge is just a way of sharing food that's surplus, for free, with everyone. No stigma, no questions. It's not a new idea. A few years ago, I gate-crashed a conference, and I heard someone from the gate church in Dundee talk about theirs. And my brother uses one in Canada. I know about one in Wester Hills and one in the Edinburgh College campuses. In fact, I think Hubbub have about 250 all over the country and want to double that this year. But why am I doing it? If I'm honest, I didn't want to start one, not really. I have kids and a job and stuff. I don't have spare time for this and I'd really rather someone else did it. Except they didn't. But really, why am I doing it? So during lockdown, I got involved with the food rescue efforts in Edinburgh. I became a tiny cog in a fragile ecosystem of amazing people who are trying to save food from the bin and divert it to those who need it most, making lists of hostels, shelters, food banks, pantries, community projects, supporting people who need food, organising volunteers on bikes often in cars, in vans, managing relationships with supermarkets, shops, hotels, sorting, training, cooking, problem-solving, adapting, communicating. There is drama and bickering, of course, my husband calls it game of scones, but so much food is saved. We saved 200 turkeys on Christmas Eve, and so much food isn't saved. Another 350 turkeys went in the bin. Those are just the ones that I know about. So why? Because I look at a tray of cherry tomatoes that are only just past their best before date and headed for the bin. They're off season and I think about all the energy that went into growing them. The fertilisers, the land use, the human labour, the oil extracted for the plastic that they're grown and displayed in the emissions created by their transport and in their growing and for them to be wasted, it just seems incredibly ungrateful to the planet. We find burgers, steaks, beef joints, animals that were slaughtered and fish taken from empty oceans just to be thrown in the bin in their plastic wrappers. I'm doing it because I can't stand by and let that be. And because there are only so many cherry tomatoes that one woman can eat herself. There's a Rob Hopkins quote that says, If we wait for the government, it'll be too late. If we act as individuals, it will be too little. If we act as communities, it might just be enough. So how do I get the community to act? Using the lure of a stale donut? So, how does it work? Volunteers go to the shops that we have an agreement with and collect things that have just been picked from the shelf. 
We intercept them before they go in the bin. It is two minutes to nine. I'm sitting outside a store in a big out-of-town shopping retail unit. Why are people still shopping at almost nine o'clock at night on a Friday night? Surely they have better places to be, says me, as I sit in the dark in the car park. Everything's closed up, so I'm just going to wait a minute because I have to wait until the shop closes before I go in. And it's freezing cold tonight. There's been hailstones. Yeah, luckily I have some really good gloves. I've already got a tray of mostly plums this evening from another shop. Looking forward to seeing what I get just now. And I'm meeting Anne. She's on her way. So we're rendezvousing here. You need to know the difference between use by and best before. If it's used by, then it has to be rehomed by midnight that day. Tricky. But if it's best before and in good condition, then we can give it away the next day. I've got a tray of bakery stuff here. Can you fit a whole tray in or do I get some bags? I'm just going to go and get the freezer stuff. So I'd say the number one thing we collect is bread and bakery goods. Fruit and veg, eggs. You also get split multi-packs and damaged boxes and bash tins. Then there's meat and ready meals, which can be frozen that night and then used within a month. Cheese and bacon, snack sausage rolls, cocktail sausage rolls, vegan chicken pieces, sausages, beef mints, special beef mints, beef meatballs, uh, corn sausages, several packets more burgers. It's really annoying when you get pre-prepared veg because then that's used by rather than best before. We try to take everything and find it a good home but we have to follow the law. Right, get the fridge stuff. We've got spiced onions. Food Rescue Classic. Fruit cocktail trifles. I've got lots of pork and stuffing rolls. Chicken pieces. These hot and spicy chicken breasts, these all need to be eaten today. The next morning we give the food away. This is us cycling a food delivery to a church in Craig Miller who offer dignified access to the food in the community. I was more careful in my packing today, I'm getting good at this. I've fitted more in the rucksack. Did you manage to get everything out of the freezer? Not everything. Oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> There's a big box of Chinese buffet spread things out only to carry differently sometimes. Okay, that's fine. We but lots of ham hocks. Lots of ham hocks. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, is it too heavy? Do you want me to take something? Definitely okay. not. Okay. No, no. Amazing. Nothing compared to what you're carrying. That's fine. Uh, it's heavier than the last week. Right, well, let's get going. I'm impressed you came out in the snow. Oh, God, do it. <laughs> Two bikes in the snow. And occasionally we're left with a random challenge, like a glut of cheesecake on New Year's Eve or an absolute mountain of coleslaw or a lot of onions. And then we have to improvise. I'm making onion badgies. So last night we got hundreds of onions and they were in packets and inside the packets, some of the onions were fine and some of the onions were a little bit sorry looking on the outside. So we went through the packs of onions and we divided them into good ones and we <laughs> had the bad ones that we probably couldn't pass on. But of course, you know with onions, if you take the outer layer off, inside there's still quite a lot of good onion. Got onions, 
garum flour, we've got ginger, cumin, salt, chili. Mm. What else goes in? Fresh coriander, ground coriander, turmeric and lemon juice. Okay, dokie. I am using a Mira Soda recipe for anyone who's interested, which is for baked, on actually, baked onion bhajis. Not fried onion bhajis. I'm a bit scared of deep frying, so I don't tend to deep fry things at home. Do I want to put in chilli powder? Dinner is ready, guys! Here we go. Would you guys like to try some onion bhaji? Marty? No. Okay. Just for grown up. It's good. What do you think, Mum? Mm. I think they're very tasty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all right, I want to take you back to an important moment earlier this year. Portobello on the coast of Edinburgh has a good number of green community-minded organisations and individuals. And last year, one of them, Action Porty, held an event called Heart Talk. So here's what arrived in my inbox. Coming out the pandemic, facing multiplying crises, how do we draw on the resourcefulness of the people living here so everyone is included in a caring community now and into the future? Action Porty is planning a large-scale community-led conversation so we can help shape the future of Porty. Would you like to host a what-if conversation? So they held an event to come up with ideas and I went along to record for the Porty podcast. Not because I was interested in hosting a conversation myself. I did some interviews. Here's one that I recorded with Kate Dyer. Well, we, what we intended to do was set up a space where we can start the conversation. So it was really trying to give a taster of what thinking about what is is like. And then not to do kind of corporate visioning exercises, but get into some of the stuff about what if my dream about, you know, this is the place that I live. How could it be better? What would that look like? But it was a hazel trap because they did some lovely visioning exercises and I am a sucker for all that stuff. Here's Jane Saywell describing the framework they were using. What is, what if, what next is a framing question. It's a series of framing questions that are created by, well, they were sort of developed by the Transition Network. Now, what if is a great question. It's, um, it just unleashes the imagination. It allows you, gives you permission to imagine something without thinking about the steps to get there and the consequences. And in doing so, it allows you to build a collective vision with other people. So at this point, I may have stopped listening a bit. Far too excited by the first part. Oh, you just have to imagine it. That's the problem, right? We just need more imagination. I've got that. I didn't think too much about the practicalities. And your what next is where you start to explore the practical steps to bridge from what is to what is. Oh, yeah, yeah, it'll fall into place, Jane. I got this. Porty needs a community fridge. Well, I posed the idea and the community went for it. 
An organisation called Pedal said that they'd help with the bank account, funding application and insurance. The Wash House Community Centre had a fridge. The town hall wanted to offer space. Unfortunately, the town hall's under renovation, so after a couple of weeks doing a stall on the high street, there were some stormy Saturdays, and thankfully, the Baptist Church took us in. Every week, there are more volunteers coming forward, and more people wanting food. Here's something that surprised me. How quickly we started turning up to find a queue outside of people waiting for food. This week, a volunteer said they'd seen folk waiting 45 minutes before we opened. And that is the thing about all this climate action. You always come face to face with these inequalities. In my humble opinion, a community fridge like ours is not the best way to tackle food poverty. Everyone deserves dignified access to a good choice of healthy food. What we are doing at the moment is giving out a random selection. It could be cakes, it could be donuts, it could be bread, it could be fruit and veg, it often is, it could be meat, but it might be nothing. And that's not ideal. What we're trying to do is reduce wastefulness in our community. At what point does the fact that there are so many people in our community experiencing food poverty trump that? I don't know. Here I am once again in a car park on my cargo bike, this time with Sarah, waiting to make the collection. How busy was it last week? So I actually was, I wasn't there on Saturday, but we had 110 kilos of food on Friday tonight and it went. Wow. So that was busy. And I was amazed. I was like, Alan, I'm really sorry I'm leaving you with all this. I don't know what you're going to do with it. Okay, bye. I was worrying about it and then she texted me at like quarter to 12 saying it's almost all gone. So in some ways was that quite good that you were forced not to be there because, yeah. I mean, not that you're not needed, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that you can yeah, trust I others. Can. Yeah. yeah. And that means that you have already put a lot of good work in, you've, you know, yeah. you've, laid, you've laid the foundation so yeah. people feel able to do that. Hopefully, here we go. The doors are opening, the garage doors. Yeah, charity's here. Thanks. Hi. Hi. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's fine. Yeah, that can. Yeah. Well, this is Caviar. Oh wow! What's that? Tiny, tiny caviar. How much was it to be get six? Was fifteen pounds? No, then reduced to six forty-five. <laughs> now it's going to end up with us. Um, I've never had caviar. What is it best before or used by? Best before. So we could give that away tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that'll be a lucky treat for somebody. Is that us? Yeah, it's it's Okay, great. Yeah, that's fine. We'll wait. So that was the one and only time we've collected caviar, but it makes the point rather well. It's Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake, right? (coughs) So I've got COVID and I uh, need to organise the community fridge this week. My brain is completely full of marshmallows and I'm obviously not allowed to leave the house. 
but I can't not do it. <laughs> like I have to make sure it happens. And there's enough people that it should happen fine. It doesn't need me, right? I don't know what I'm saying. I've got COVID. Stop trying to make a podcast, Hazel. It's just, I think it's quite a good example of this isn't burnout, but it is a situation where it has to be able to run without me. It cannot be dependent on me. I need other people to sort of take it on and they're doing well. But even if it's not, even if it's slightly messy, I just have to let other people do it because I'm not well and I need to go back to bed. It's Friday night and the COVID is feeling much better. Thank you very much for asking. I just have had a day in which I feel a bit like some sort of 80s stockbroker because my phone has constantly been pinging today. There was a glut of UHT milk this morning that is in town that needs picked up. One of the stores that I thought we were starting to collect next week actually thought we were starting to collect this week. So I had to last minute try and arrange for somebody to go and pick that up today and somebody else to go and pick it up tomorrow. We have some new volunteers have come forward this week, which is brilliant, but there's more than we can use tonight. So a couple of them needed phoned to start tonight and then others needed phoned so that we don't lose their interest and that they can start in the next coming weeks and we can explain a bit about the project, find out what they want to do. Somebody who was going to be on tonight isn't feeling great, so that's absolutely fine, but we need to get them covered. The person who's got the key is the person who's going to be coming back to the church last tonight. So that's not going to work. Everyone's going to be standing outside waiting. So I've had to phone around and try and work out if somebody who lives nearby can get the key and be the one that opens up. Yeah, I'm not exactly doing very well at handing this project over to other people to look after while I'm poorly. Maybe that's just what these projects are like. But if I was employed and this is my job, that wouldn't fly. Like, you wouldn't accept those kind of conditions really every week. I mean, you'd, you'd be able to take time off or be sick, right? Wouldn't you? I don't, I don't think that those are good conditions to employ somebody under. But because I'm a volunteer and it's my own making, does anybody have any sympathy for me? <laughs> like, uh, I guess... I think it's just something worth highlighting about these kind of projects, how much investment they require from the volunteers who run them. And, you know, it feels like an important thing that we're doing. It feels like probably more important than some of the things that I've been employed to do in the past. And yet it's just a horrible position to have put myself in and I, I think I did know that I was getting into that and I felt like it was worth doing anyway because it was so important. But um, yeah, I just wanted to share. <laughs> I do feel a bit better for sharing. So thanks for listening. <laughs> ah, I'm going to try and relax now and uh, enjoy my first Friday night of not being out in the cold, in the dark. However... I'm pretty sure my phone's still going to go off a few times before I go to bed. We'll see. So at the next meeting, we are going to discuss that and we're going to try and find a way to organise ourselves 
in a way that is not dependent on me. And that, I think, is what success will be. But that's quite hard as well because I really have to let go of something that I'm kind of mothering at the moment. And it might turn into something that is not what I intended it to be and I have to accept that. So the first item then is just, it's too much work for me to do all this. Can anybody help? So I don't know if anybody's had a think about that or got any ideas about that. Actually, um, Hazel, I've never taken on the treasure because I don't particularly like handling money. However, maybe it is something, because that I can do in my own time. If I need some advice, who's the financial guru? Because it's not me. I, I need a bit of support, but then I think I should be able to do that. Josephine, I guarantee you'll be fab as a treasurer. You'll be fine on this one. I, I wouldn't be up for helping with that, unfortunately, Hazel. Um, I've got a lot of volunteering stuff I'm doing out with the food rescue stuff, and I, I can't start taking on more stuff, unfortunately. If some of those jobs can be siphoned off by other people, I'm very happy to be a key holder. But as long as it didn't mean I'm also the chef, the boss, the captain of the ship and all that. But I talked to Hazel the other day and I think I am I would be quite willing to take on the volunteer coordinating. So not the rota, but new volunteers who need to be induced, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Inducted, I'm sorry, <laughs> not induced, maybe. So I'm I'm happy to help with the rota, Jen, with you. I mean, to look at the rota and try to see if uh, we we should invite more volunteers and stuff, stuff like that. Um, I was just listening to everything you've said, and, and it strikes me that, well, first of all, you should be able to sleep at night without having to ca carry the full responsibility for the rest of us that are probably sleeping very well. But teamwork is always good and you have to be able to take holidays and we need to be able to carry the different loads. So I can't answer emails on a Friday as we were discovering on Friday. So if things change quickly, I'm useless on a Friday. I'd happily organise on other days, but not the Friday. I think it is just what we've done, that it probably takes a wee bit of handing over. If you're looking to chuck it tomorrow, it'll probably fall apart. But if you can see it through. And Hazel, have you got the capacity like to hold that lightly and make sure that people are confident and trained up? Because I hear what you're saying, you know, you're the pinch point because of your experience and expertise, but for that to be successful, it would need to be really well grounded. And so that would require probably a little bit extra input from you at the beginning, just to make sure that it felt safe and smooth running. I do have the capacity, Lynn. Thank you. I am feeling so much better after that meeting and really looked after by everyone. I should say that I don't want you to get the wrong impression of Andy there, who said he couldn't take on any more. To give some context, he has been an absolute star and is reliably volunteering for Food Rescue in Edinburgh and has done for a long time. But I wanted to include that voice as it's a truth about this story that there's a point where we just can't take on any more. I am not very good at recognising that myself and I want to work on that. And I wonder why? I just feel like families needing food and the damage that we're causing to the environment kind of outweighs my little everyday stresses. We need someone in the group to remind us to not take on any more if we really can't. But on the whole, I think these amazing people will help me carry this project.
And I didn't even have to write up the notes of that meeting. Anne did that. I'll send that to you tomorrow so you can add whatever or take away what is not needed because I, uh, I'm trying to, <laughs> to add, to write. Well, you are speaking very fast. No, no, you, uh, you plural. That's the problem with English. There is no you plural. And I refuse to say use. Sorry. There's something poetic about English not having a plural for you. I need use. Sorry, Anne. Anyway, there's not really a resolution to this podcast. Um, I could tot up all the figures and tell you how many kilos of food we've saved, hundreds of kilos of food we've saved so far this year, even though we are barely up and running and we're catching up with ourselves. Thank you for listening to this podcast about my journey. I hope it wasn't too self-indulgent. I have enjoyed the opportunity to reflect a wee bit on my journey with the project so far and I hope that it resonates with other people and the climate action that you're trying to do. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Thank you Scan and thank you everyone at the Community Fridge if you're listening to this. Yous are all amazing. You really are all amazing. Just ask, does that mean that supermarkets have food basically to give away every single night? Yeah, that's horrifying, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Where it used to all go. Done well. Oh, yeah, that wasn't much, wasn't it? Gosh, is it all gone? All gone? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Which is, is just as well because I have to take the kids home in the bike, so I wouldn't be able to. She really didn't want to take anything back. <laughs> Apart from, look, these coffee pods, who's got a coffee machine? Oh, no, I don't have those. Mm. Somebody must. It was so great to be able to share Hazel's and Mary's stories today. Um, Two very different voices, two beautifully told stories. A true inspiration to act and to act now and to connect to others for support in the process. Thank you both for um, your contributions. You won't be surprised to hear that we are looking for more of such deliciously varied stories of inspiration to share across Scotland. If you think that what you're doing in your own community is worth sharing, we can help you tell the story. Or, even better, you can apply for one of our mini-grants to create a story yourself. We also run regular workshops on writing and audio storytelling for change, as well as a monthly podcasting skillshare at lunchtime. So, there is really no excuse not to join in this serious creative fun and make a real difference. Just drop me an email on stories at scottishcommunitiescan.org.uk Till next time, take care of each other out there.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and maybe even a review. It will really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. Or maybe you would like to join our brand new Storyteller Collective. You can drop our Story Weavers a line at stories at scottishcommunitiescan.org.uk. To keep up to date, check out our website at scottishcommunitiesorguk or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter.